And my fear is that as they, as they do that, they, my fear is that they miss the heart of what God is doing, what he's speaking. And so as what we're going to do today is I'm going to do a pretty simple message. It's not anything overly profound in a sense of, oh, this is so life-shattering and new. I've never heard this before. Hopefully everything I say today you will have heard your entire life. But my hope today is that as you hear it, that it won't be a celebration of an event that happened 2,000 years ago, but an event that is happening today and every day of your life as we come and as we celebrate the resurrection. Now, to do this this morning, I think the, the way that I want to start out is this. I want to start out and I'll look back 2,000 years ago to what was happening uh, earlier this morning. You had, um, if you remember last, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about, or last week we talked about the disciples. We talked about these unrealized aspirations and these unmet expectations. Basically, they followed Jesus because they expected to, for him to do these crazy things to, to tear down the Roman Empire, to raise himself up as king, and they were going to be his right-hand man of power, and they're going to do all this crazy stuff, and, then he, and then, he, then he died. And everything they had aspired to and dreamed for and hoped for, well, it just didn't happen. And so they're sitting there, and they're undone. They're undone emotionally. They're undone saying, God, Jesus, uh, what's going on here? And so as you look back 2,000 years ago, Jesus uh, would have risen, the uh, stone would have rolled away, but they still didn't know it. They're, they're, remember, that Scripture tells us, we're going to read it in a second, that they were literally behind closed doors and they had locked them. They were behind closed doors and they had locked them. And it was very, very simple reason why. They had been with Jesus. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember if you've seen the movies, this is a place with the trees and Jesus is crying out, Father, if you can turn this cup away from me, then do it. But not my will, but yours be done. But if you could, that'd be pretty awesome, right? This whole thing's going down. They're watching it, and, and, and they're watching Jesus, and they're falling asleep because they can't stay awake. And there's all this stuff going on, right? And then all of a sudden, the moment comes, and Jesus says, the time is at hand. Remember? And it says that all of a sudden, Judas walks into the scene. Remember? And behind him is all of these all of these soldiers. And Judas walks up to him and kisses him on the cheek. And Jesus says, "Are you betraying me with a kiss?" And all the other disciples, the eleven, are sitting there. They honestly don't know what's going on. They can't quite figure it out. They're they're thinking they're what they're thinking. This is the moment of rebellion. Remember the part where where they start taking Jesus away, and Peter thinks it's on. So he pulls his sword out and just cuts the ear off of the dude who's in front of him. And he's ready, he's ready to rumble. I mean, he's ready to go, right? And so, so Jesus says, no, he stops it. And he walks over to the man's ear and he heals him. And everyone standing, standing there recognizes there is something different about this guy. And so Jesus dies and they don't know what to, they don't know what to do. So they lock themselves up and, and they recognize that just as Jesus uh, is one who is regarded as dangerous, then they too would be considered dangerous. They would be those who were under suspicion. 
And so they said, let's, so what they're doing and that what's going on is they're hiding themselves behind this door, hoping that no one will see them. If they lay low for a short season, they may they can find a way to escape. And so they're sitting there and, and I'm just guessing here in between the lines, I don't really know, but I'm just guessing they're sitting there talking about, what do we do? Well, let's just lay low for a short period of time because man, if we go out, they may capture us and kill us too. We don't want that to happen, right? So let's just stay here. What can we do? Where can we go? Well, I got my mother-in-law over here and I can go over here. We can, about 30 minute ride. If we go late at nine, maybe two o'clock in the morning, maybe we can, maybe we can elude the guard and we can, who are, who's friends with us? Who are friends? Who are, who are sensitive to our needs that we can find? So they're having this conversation. Listen, this is a very real moment with very real emotions, with very real fears and despair going on in the moment. This is real life. This is real life. This is the ultimate reality show, right? They're having this moment. They're in despair. They're overwhelmed. They've ex- Listen, they've experienced their own death. Death of dreams, death of aspirations, a death of hope. Their best friend has died. Jesus has died. And their experience, listen, you've all experienced loss in some form or fashion. Something, whether it's the loss of innocence or the loss of a loved one or something that you just really like. I don't know what it is. With loss comes the feeling, that pit, this thing that's like you want to throw up and run and sit down and lay down and do whatever all at the same time. And you want to talk to somebody but get away from all at the same time, right? They're experiencing all of this. It's a real moment with real emotions. It's not an event we celebrate and say, oh, my God, I'm sorry you had to say, I'm sorry you had to suffer through that, guys. But look at Jesus. No, these are real men and women with real emotions, and they're overwhelmed, and they're undone. And then to top it all off, they're sitting there in the quiet of their moments. Has this ever happened to you when you're sitting there in, in the quiet of, of the night when you lay your head down, and your head is down, and, and, and what happens? Every thought you've been running from all day catches up to you and you can't fall asleep because you're wrestling with something inside, wrestling with something internally. Or how about when you wake up in the morning, right? You wake up, you're not real settled and you wake up and all of a sudden you, there's this moment, you ever, ever experienced this? This moment of weightlessness, like, oh, this is so nice. And all of a sudden, whatever it was, was there, Jesus is dead. Right, And it completely starts your day off deflated, in despair, overwhelmed. And they're experiencing this. And the whole time they're sitting there going, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I gave up all of my energy. The last three years of my life, my time and my money and my resources for this guy who promised all of this and now he's dead. And they're experiencing this. They're experiencing the gut-wrenching nature of loss. And then John chapter 20, verse 19 happens. Have your Bibles, you can turn there, you can close your eyes and listen, you can read on the screen. John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. John 20 is the story of the death and resurrection, right? 19 is the death, resurrection happens here in 20. And it says this, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the, listen, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, 
Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive, receive the Holy Spirit. So here they are, here we are, disciples hidden behind closed doors, locked doors, right? No one knows where they are. They're hidden well. People are protecting them. You know, you probably, I don't know, you know, John's kind of a sissy. He's probably over there in the corner, right, in the fetal position going, oh, God, God, right? Just kind of crying out and praying, right? Everybody, because, you know, in church, you know, if you're a good Christian, you know, you close your eyes when you pray. So they're probably with their eyes closed doing this. It's going, oh, probably rocking back and forth. What do we do now? What do we do now? Right? Having that moment, right? And all of a sudden, a familiar voice says, peace be with you. And they go, oh, my gosh, right? And we don't really know how he got there. There's all sorts of theories out there. He just kind of floated through the window, right? He came through the door. He just showed up. Who really knows? Maybe maybe God beamed him in. I don't really know, right? But something happened where Jesus, in his his ability now of this, like, post-resurrection, he just shows up, and he speaks to them and says, peace be with you. And they're like, ah, right? They're undone. It's overwhelming, right? He speaks, peace be with you. Listen, this morning, one of the greatest ways that we can celebrate the resurrection is looking at how the resurrection impacted those who were closest to Jesus. The resurrection happened for people, for humanity. Therefore, we need to look at it and see how did the resurrection impact the ones who were closest to Jesus, who were living in utter despair with all their guts just like being ripped out of them and overwhelmed in the moment. How did it impact them? How did the resurrection, listen, How did the resurrection of Jesus cause a resurrection in their life? I want to say this morning that we see three ways in which the resurrection impacted the disciples. And I believe as we see it, we will begin to see how these types of resurrections can happen in our own life in this Easter season. So the first thing we see is a resurrection of peace, right? A resurrection of peace. You read it in verse 19. Jesus says, peace be with you. How do you know Jesus always speaks the word that's relevant to our need in the moment, right? In our moment of greatest despair, that's where he speaks, right? In our broken places, that's where he likes to move. And so he walks in the room and says, my gosh, this room is in serious need of some peace. Man, these guys are dying here. I mean, this is just peace, right? He comes in, he just brings it out. Peace be with you. It's a great moment for them, right? Peace be with you. Now listen. Peace. Peace is this overwhelming sense, this overwhelming sense of God's abiding presence with us, right? That peace that kind of touches every part of our being. There's not, there's not a part untouched, right? When peace is spoken into the moment, he all of a sudden moves and peace is there. Listen, when I was a kid, I was a little scared of the dark, all right? And I was especially scared of the dark when thunderstorms came. And I, 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 you know, thunderstorms were cool in the daytime, but not at night, right? Because it always started, you're sitting there laying there, and all of a sudden you hear this distance, this, excuse me, this, this rumble in the distance. You know what I'm talking about? It's that. That was, a, that was a rumble of thunder, right? Whatever it was, right? And you hear in the distance. And I used to, I, I'd do this. Oh, God, make the storm go the other direction, right? Make it go far away from here because I'm scared. Because there's nothing worse than dark and thunder, light, and lightning that kind of spreads it out. And all of a sudden your house shakes. What's up with that, right? And so they're having this moment and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, and I'm just undying, right? 
And so you do what you, whatever you do when you're a kid and it's dark and you're scared. Mom! Dad! Right? You keep on doing that. And it was crazy for years because I never got it. I would call my parents' names out and they wouldn't, they wouldn't come. I mean, I just didn't get it. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I had kids and I realized it. They're arguing about who's going to go. You go. I'm not going to go. Let's just let them cry it out, right? They're having that whole moment, right? And they're sitting there having this moment with me, right? And I'm like, oh, my. And then, and, but there came that moment, and I knew what it was. There, there came that moment. If it was really bad, then I knew I could get to a certain level of piercing. Mommy! Hey! You know? Daddy! Right? And they would come. And they would come, and I always, I have to, I'm not going to lie, Dad. He's here right here. I always hope my mom came, because my mom wore more clothes than my dad did. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. It was, it was scary. Here's my dad. And it's like, ah, right? But they would walk in the room. You know what happened? They would walk in the room. And all of a sudden, fear would go. All of a sudden, it was as if peace would come. And then I'd have that thought. And I would think. Why was I scared in the first place, right? Because it's completely dissipated. It's completely gone. Their presence came in the room. I encountered it, and I was never the same, right? They walked in the room. Fear was here. And then all of a sudden, immediately it was gone. And it was Jesus stood there in the moment, looking at his disciples and said, Peace be with you. All of a sudden, it was this overwhelming sense that came over them. They couldn't figure it out. And they said, Oh, how come we didn't have peace before? This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. For when you encounter the living presence of Jesus, peace comes with it. This is what the disciples are experiencing. And I want to tell you today, when we walk in our midst of broken places and in our broken moments and we're overwhelmed and fear has gripped us and we don't know where to go, what we need is an encounter with Jesus. Because when he comes, there is resurrection of Peace. And he speaks into their moment, peace be with you. And I loved it because he's such a good friend. He steps in and he looks at him and he says, hey, just so you won't be scared that I'm a ghost, touch me and come see my scars, right? Because he stepped there and they're like, oh my gosh, is it really Jesus? Is it a ghost? He's like, come, hey, 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 let me show you something. Let me, let me show you my scars. Scars are cool, man, right? Scars are awesome. Look at this. And they're like, oh, and this is their undone, right? Here's the piece about it. It's cool. Number one, he did it because he recognized their fears, reality. This is their real present fears. Is he a ghost? But the second thing is this. He is super excited. He is incredibly excited because their lack of peace was due to a lack of understanding. They didn't understand who Jesus was. They didn't understand what he wanted to do. They didn't understand he was coming back. They were broken in the moment, and he could not wait. It's like at Christmas. I get so excited to, to, to have a surprise gift for my, for my wife or for, for my kids, and, and I'm just like, I can't wait to show them. They're coming out. I'm like, hey, look over here. Look at this one. This is awesome. Hey, look at this gift. Oh, look, open it, open it, open it, open it, right? And Jesus is coming, I believe, in the moment saying, I recognize I'm broken for your brokenness, but I'm so excited now for the peace I want to give you. Look at this. And all of us sudden they understood or at least began to have understanding oh he came back to life what does that mean for us well second thing we see is this it means a resurrection of joy 
a resurrection of joy. Verse 20 says, after they saw the cool scars, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I mean, what does it mean you have joy but hey, I mean, we're, I mean, we're so full of joy. We're overjoyed. I mean, it's just unbelievable, right? We are overjoyed. Again, it's reaching and, and impacting every single part and of our being. How many Braves fans are in here? Whatever. When they get into playoffs, you become a fan, right? Fair weather. Anyway, I mean, I remember. How many of you remember Sid Bream? That's all you need. Right? Here I am at college. I'm sitting there watching television. And I am praying for this man. Because he is huffing and puffing around third base. Right? I went, I, I went from 20 years old to 23 years old from third base to home plate with Sid Bream running. Right? The slowest man in the history of baseball. And he is rounding that base. Right? And he's coming. And I'm like, go, go, go. And he comes in, it's the slowest slide. I mean, literally the whole thing is in slow motion. And he slides under, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the catcher comes in and sweeps the glove around. And everybody goes like this and looks at the umpire. The umpire goes, say. And the first thing I remember is the catcher going, no. And he's like screaming, right? And you see Sid Bream just lays back on his back, puts his hands out with the biggest grin on his face. And here comes David Justice. Woo, belly flop on Sid Bream, right? And listen, this moment happened. Let me say what happened. We became overjoyed, didn't we? We're sitting there going, yeah. The whole campus in my college comes running out in unison. And we're just, oh, right? Because we're just all overjoyed. We don't know what to do. So we run to, the, just to the, somebody's house who was important to the school. And we stand in front of his house for an hour until he wakes up. He's a loser and didn't watch the game, right? And we just stand there going, oh, right, for an hour because we were so overjoyed. Jesus said, I am alive. And they were overjoyed, undone. Are you kidding me? This is the best thing in the history of the world. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. Oh, my God, I just love you, Jesus. I know, right? They're having this moment. They're undone. They're overjoyed. Because when resurrection happens and we encounter Jesus, there is an abiding joy that overwhelms us for the rest of our lives. We're talking this deep thing that just touches the very core of who we are. This is what we talk about, this joy. Number three. So they're sitting there, right, having the love in the moment, super excited. But then this is important. This is the crux, actually, the center point of the resurrection. The center point of the resurrection, the whole point behind it, was a resurrection, listen, a resurrection of calling. A resurrection of of calling. You see, for all their dreams and aspirations died with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he comes back on the scene. They are just undone. They're overjoyed. And all of a sudden, they realize, oh my. Everything he told us that we could do and he called us to do, we're now going to be able to do it. When Jesus said, hey, the things that I did while here on earth, you will do the same things and even greater things than these when I leave And then when I breathe my Holy Spirit onto you, how many of you realize the thing that empowered Jesus to do what he did here on earth was not because he was God. 
wasn't because he was God. It was because he was a human being empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what separated him from every single person. He was a human being. And why do you think he went around saying, hey, hey, I'm the son of man. I'm the son of man. I'm the son of man. He wanted everybody to recognize I'm 100% human. And when I die, I will die a human death. Because I want you to recognize that when I lived my life, I was a human being just like you, who just simply happened to be empowered by the Holy Spirit from the day that I was born. And then he says, hey, and so you know that I mean it when I call you and send you out. What I want to do is I want to breathe on you the exact same spirit that empowered me to live my life. You know what that means? It simply means this. The thing that empowered him now lives in you. For those of you who are in a relationship with Jesus. And the things that he did that you just think happened in the Bible thousand years ago that you're not sure they happened today. Like the healings and deliverances and all this kind of crazy stuff you're reading about. All of these things. He says, hey, you can do all these things, even greater things. What does it mean to be greater? It means greater because there used to just be one of me, and now there's millions of you who can be Jesus everywhere that you go. The calling of God is power. He says, listen, just as my Father called me and sent me. And they're just sitting there going, yeah. So now I'm calling you, and I'm sending you, but... Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you helpless. What has happened? I just gave you my spirit. This is the call of God. This was the call of the disciples, and you recognize, listen, this is important. The trajectory of the life of the disciples then changed forever, right? You know that they went from living fearful to in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and says, hey, I'm not scared any longer because the Holy Spirit just came. And if you don't turn away from your sin, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you're gonna, it's gonna be really bad for you. And they go, oh, where just a couple days earlier he was like, I don't wanna go outside. If I go outside, I'm gonna get killed. But instead he stands up and says, hey, all you uh, officials over there, watch this. Boo, y'all got the Holy Spirit. And what do you do with that? So, we step into the moment. We celebrate what happened. What I want to say to you is this. The resurrection of Jesus is not an event that happened, but it's something that's happening today. It's something he wants to do in your life. And so there are those this morning who say, hey, I'm, I don't even believe in Jesus. In fact, I don't even like that name very much. And every time I hear it, I cringe. You know what? It's okay. Jesus loves you. And he brought you here. And all you need to do is simply say, Jesus, I don't like you, but if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Because it would be silly. It would be really silly to have you right here at my fingertips and never actually call out to you to see if you're real or not, right? The great thing about Jesus is that I don't have to prove him to you. He can do it himself. He's pretty capable. He's God, right? And so we do that. We come to that moment. We say, hey, and then for those of us, and so in that moment, there's a resurrection that can happen. And there are those of us that say, I've been a Christian a long time. I mean, I'm dying. I'm struggling. I'm overwhelmed. I've got this whole thing going on. I just, I am. I've, I've died and I'm undone. I'm overwhelmed. And, 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 and I want to say there's resurrection where we come in and we say, Jesus, I need to encounter you because when I encounter you, I will never be the same. There are those of us who say, hey, I'm doing great, but I want to encounter him every day. I want resurrection every day. I want to live in that place. Resurrection is not an event that happened. It's something that happens every day as we give ourselves to him. That is the good news. So, resurrection, it's for you. 
So let's just run through these real quick. The resurrection of peace is for you. Do you need peace in your life? Listen, I know what the economy is doing. I know how many of you are struggling financially. I know how many of you are wrestling in your marriages. I know many of you are wrestling with things from your past. I know how many of you hate your neighbors and hate all your people and around you. You're just like, ah, my life's miserable. Oh, and I would say resurrection. There is a resurrection of peace in the moment of your brokenness and your broken places that you say there's no way there could ever be peace in this. Well, there was somebody who was dead and he was raised to new life. It was the power of God that did that. He's still doing it today. And he brings resurrection for those of you who call out to him and say, Jesus, help. Now, what he doesn't do, he doesn't all of a sudden make everything that's broken in your life perfect, right? But what he promises is this. In the midst of your places where you're hurting, I will be with you. In the midst of your brokenness, what I commit is to bring peace. Listen, the disciples were still in threat for their life. He didn't just wash everything clean and say, all right, now go outside and be best friends with the Pharisees. No, no, no. Listen, you're still difficult. They all ended up dying, literally dying. Peter was hung upside down on a cross and died that way. Right? doesn't mean everything to be perfect. What he says is, though, when you're walking through hell, I will bring a peace that will overwhelm and invade every single part of you. And you're like, I can't believe I have so much peace when everything's going to crap around me. Second thing we find is this, a resurrection of joy. Resurrection of joy. Happiness, like I said, is a momentary fleeting emotion. Happiness, what we always try to go after, is a, it's, a, it's a momentary fleeting emotion. But joy is this deep abiding contentment that affects your entire being. Now listen, for all you football fans, listen, when the Georgia Bulldogs win a game on Saturday... <clears throat> I'm happy. But listen, I wonder if I ever forget to a game down in Orlando, coming out of the stadium, Capital One Bowl, and, um, and I'm happy because Georgia won. I think they beat Purdue, and I'm, I'm celebrating. It's exciting. And I get into my car, and somebody tries to get out in front of me when it's my turn, and I let them have it. And I cuss them out right there on the spot, right? I mean, I just let them have it right there on the spot. I say, what are you doing? Going off on them, right? My happiness was a fleeting moment, Right? But when my daughters were born, hmm, when my daughters were born, something happened. It's like it just covered me and it's never gone away. That I live in this place of saying, you know what, life is hard, but when, but when I'm around them, there's just a joy. Even, even in those rare moments, they're disobedient, right? It's very rare moments, right, when they're disobedient, but... But, in, but even in those, I'm like, I still laugh at them most of the time, right? Because there's just something, this deep abiding joy that overwhelms me, that when I'm with them, it's like, oh, I don't know what it is, but it's unspoken. It's so deep, but it covers everything, and that's the joy of encountering his presence that he invades us with in our places of broken moments, in our places of brokenness and those needs that we have. Resurrection over joyed as we encounter him and our presence being in the presence of Jesus. The third thing is simply this, a resurrection of calling. Resurrection of calling. Like we read, Jesus told the disciples that just as the Father had sent them, so he is now sending them. And then he breathed on them the very things that they would need to go and to be Jesus. The greatest takeaway from the resurrection in our own hearts is this profound reality that Jesus... For those of us who know him has already sent us 
And he's already empowered us to go everywhere that he's called us to go in his power to do the things that he's called us to do. And there has to be a resurrection in our hearts of saying, number one, I'm not sure I believe that, but if it's true, give it. Number two, I've been there, but I've fallen away, maybe because of offense, like I talked about last week. And he wants to bring resurrection. Or number three, hey, I experienced it again yesterday. I'm going to experience resurrection again today. If you're calling in my life to go and be Jesus wherever you call me to go. Second Peter 2 verse 3 says this. God's divine power, his divine power, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, has given us everything we need for a life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. As we sit here this morning, we are called to examine our lives. We're always called to live every day and examine. God, where am I today? What's going on? What do you want me to do? What do you want me not, what do you want me not to do? What are you calling me to, to do and to disconnect from? Whatever it may be, right? Every day is a, is a day of examine that we're looking at our lives and saying, God, what are you doing today? And, and on this Easter morning, nothing is different. As we look at the disciples' lives and we look at the resurrection in their hearts, we look at the, this awakening moment in their lives, we see a, a resurrection of peace and of joy, a resurrection of calling, and, and we celebrate that today because it's why we're here today. We're sitting in these chairs because they embraced the resurrection and they went to all the nations. And the same is true for us today as we sit here before the Father, and as we sit here before Jesus, and we sit here before the, this, this water that represents resurrection, we sit here in the moment and we simply say, Jesus, no matter where you are with him, I want resurrection. And no matter where you are with him, if you're real, then I want to encounter you. Because I am undone. And I am broken. And I am in need. And I am ready for your power to flow through me. Because I am ready to see your life live through me. And I want to see the things that I've only read about and dreamed about. As I embrace your calling to go. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we sit here and there are many of us, God, who are living our lives behind closed and locked doors. For whatever reason, in all of those doors, God, they, they, they break your heart because your desire is to always get past them, to be with them, and to be intimate with us. And so, Father, we're asking this morning, Jesus, that you would, that you would encounter us and that you would bring resurrection. Father, we love you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. How we end our time at Vintage is this. We, we, uh, we release you uh, to go as soon as I get done speaking. You guys have a great Easter. Uh, if you would like to stay, we have a time where Tate and, and Allie will be leading us. And it's a time of worship. And basically it's a time where you can just sit and be with Jesus and allow him to, to speak to you so you can encounter him. We'll have uh, people we call the ministry teams. They're just part of our family who uh, come up here and they say, and sometimes there are things like, listen, I can't pray through this myself. I'm struggling. I need someone to pray with me. That's what our teams are for. You just come up and introduce yourself and you just tell them what's going on. They would love to come alongside of you and just and help you and help pray 
uh, through these things with you. So, now if you don't mind, uh, many of you hopefully uh, filled out those little white cards where you spoke, but basically you're someone in the, here in the, in the baptismal pool, the trough, and you wrote something on a card. At this time, we're going to take those baskets. This is for our tithes and our offerings. It's also for our Connect cards. So it's for first-time guests. So I can shoot you an email and say thanks for being here.